he's it. He's it on the phone. It's the science shed. What? This is, why are you phoning me? I'm, I'm Bruce. I'm in the outback at the moment. I've just been taking my dingoes for a walk. Well, you've just you just uh, m- managed to find yourself in the science shed, Bruce. It's a science podcast that happens every two weeks. It didn't look like a, a science shed. It just looked like a normal shed, like a dunny. I just walked in there, corrugated iron on the roof. I thought I was going to go in. I thought it was a place to go to the toilet. Then there's a phone ringing. And then I'm speaking to a, a pommy on the other end of the line. Well, not just one pommy, there's two. There's a fact myself, I'm Steve Lee. I'm a chemist from the University of Cambridge. And my colleague here is Nick Evans. He's a bioengineer from the University of Southampton. Sounds a bit highbrow to me, mate. Yeah, but it's actually quite funny, and we swear a lot, so you probably quite like it. Do you drink some tinnies? We, ca- we can. Yeah, drink a bit of Forex, mate. Okay, then, well. All right, well, you sit back get and uh, sit down next to your dingo, and I'll get on with it. How about that? Bonza, mate. Looking forward to it. Bunsen, Burner, Dolly, Machine, Internal, Combustion, Why Do We Need, Petri, Dishes, Oscar, Bay. Isaac, Newton, Transplanting, Nick, we're in the science shed. What? We're in the science shed. Where's that? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a shed of the mind. No, it's not. It's it a real shed. Of Look course it is. You. I was just joking. <laughs> we're in the shed. Do you know how we're in the shed? Because we've got loads of equipment here. We've got a yeah, saw. Look at this, look at this um, piece of uh, equipment here. I don't know what it is. It's one of those things that you find in the drawer. You're never sure what it does. It's yeah. kind of like metallic. With a hook on There's the a end. real risk of... Um, uh, 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 what do they call it when you fall on a nail? What's the bacterial infection you get? Well, tetanus. Tetanus. Yeah. There's a real risk of tetanus in the well, shed. I've had my jabs. I haven't. I should do that. Oh, <laughs> you're risking it there, aren't you, Steve? <laughs> Did you ever have um, top trumps? Oh yeah, I love top trumps. My yeah. I, my favourite, most played pack was a one of um, boats, different sorts of boats. Boats. I had the car one, the supercar one. That was good. Yeah, I, I like don't that. think I had that one. That was good, and there was the Marvel ones as well. No, I never had them. If you're, you're a bit younger than me, though, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Um, did you? Did you? If you had to make a super hit, uh, sorry, a, a scientist top trumps, mm. who who would be the best? You know, there's in top trumps. There's always be one Al- card. Albert Einstein, wouldn't it? Obviously. Do you think? Well, the Albert, Albert Einstein, Isaac Newton, you that's, might have like... That's the one. Wolfgang The godfather Pally. of gravity, the maestro of mass. I think it's got to be Isaac Newton. Yeah, but he's been... Einstein was more of a paradigm shift when Einstein discovered all of these. I'm about to rock your world with that Ooh, not being okay. true. Okay, I'm interested. So I have a paper here, which yes. I think we're going to... I'm going to break this down into separate... Um, we can come back to this in different podcasts. I'm just going to introduce it to you. So I found this paper from 1650... Sorry, 1671... Okay. Uh, that Isaac Newton wrote to the Royal Society. Mm. And in it, like I read this the other day and I was giddy 
with how beautiful it is. Like, oh like, like I, and I can't do it justice on the podcast by only doing it in one go. So we're going to break it down. It's amazing that you can get giddy reading a paper from 1671. But I am a bit weird. <laughs> uh, I can vouch for that. <laughs> That's true. Right. Um, so this is, um, so I'll read you, I'm just going to read a little bit and we're going to stop it down. But it's, it's a letter, um, uh, of, so I'll read you to this paper. It says, um, a letter of Mr. Isaac Newton, professor of mathematics in the University of Cambridge, containing his new theory about light and colours. All right. Uh, sent by the author to the publisher uh, to Cambridge, uh, February the 6th, uh, 1671. So this was all to do with stuff about him spitting white light and finding that it's lots of colours with the prisms and all that. It's a famous story, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm gonna, yeah. So, so this is where all those stories come from, right? I've got the raw... Yeah. Pe- I'm going to read you a little bit and we're going to go through it each week because there's there's, there's, it's when you go through it, it's incredible. Am I going to understand it? Because this is all old school English and it's going to be very difficult to get my I'll head do, around. I'll do it in bits, right? Think, so yeah, let's one, start. So, one so, sentence. <laughs> so... Yeah, so basically... Is it, about, is it about, like, gravity then? It's not about gravity. Oh, right. It's about, it's about but you're right, it's about colours. So, so you have to remember the time, right? 1670, actually this was 1666 where he did these experiments, right? This was Great Fire of London time. In, in fact, halfway through it, I'll tell you, he like, he has to, oh, actually I won't ruin it for that, it's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so to even think about, imagine think about the world then, right? So, so he's asking basic questions about what, what is colour, right? And what is light, and and to even even think about these things was quite heretical, right? To actually question the you know wh- where the heavens are, those kind of things. It and was that's the what, Enlightenment, indeed. Um, Did they know it was the Enlightenment at the time? They're probably not. <laughs> no, they? it's only in hindsight you get that. What age do you think we're living in now? Technological revolution. I reckon people will probably look back on it. As mm, not the the Trump. Oh, the post post, post truth Trump post truth era. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, first first paragraph. To perform my late promise to you, I shall... Sounds like a love letter. I shall, without further do? ceremony, acquaint you that in the beginning of the year 1666, at which time I had, applied, I had applied myself to the grinding of optical glasses of other figures than spherical. He was actually very a competent um, lens grinder. Well, this is, what, this is how we know that, yes. right? That <laughs> I procured... A triangular glass prism. He got this from the fair on, like, there was some fair with some, uh, you know, am I allowed to say gypsies these days? Probably not. Travellers. There was a traveller. Do you think they called them a traveller community? I don't think they did. They were gypsies. <laughs> right, okay. He bought it off a gypsy woman. So, so, so yeah, you have to remember when people were, like, were interested in, like, astronomy at that point, you didn't just go yeah. and buy a, micro, uh, a telescope. You had to go and get a bit of glass and grind it down, yeah. right? So a prism would have been, buying a prism would have been, like, the equivalent of, like, going in one of those... <laughs> Magic Earth, <laughs> sort of new age shops. Yeah, exactly. When you buy some fucking wind you chime, buy a, yeah, and a dream yeah, catcher and a crystal, some rose well, quartz. I'm going out to procure myself a prism from the gypsy. Yeah. So this is it. so he's, this is his performing his late promise yeah, to us right. uh, to try therewith the celebrated phenomena of colours. Right. And in hitherto, having darkened my chamber and made a small hole in my window, thus he was actually helped by he had a servant. Oh, really? Like yeah. a Smithers. And it was like a Smithers because um, it's thought that Isaac Newton was gay. Right. Yeah, he was kind of... He had this um, Italian gay squeeze for a long time. Right. But obviously it was difficult to be gay in 1760 yeah, I mean, 71 yeah that's not not a good not a good time but for yeah he community. had an assistant 
who looked at and right. prepared all of these experiments for him, blacked out the room and everything. So you imagine two of them in the room, yeah. a bit of sexual tension going on. <laughs> get them, get the prism out. <laughs> Can you reach for the prism? Yes. I love it when you talk dirty. Um, Are you talking about me now? No. Oh, right. uh, so I placed my prism at, <laughs> at his entrance. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't read this in advance. Yeah, yeah, tell okay. me. <laughs> so what did he do next with the prism? <laughs> Come on, come on, come on. She's shedding a oh whole gosh. new light on Is this why you I, I were was, giddy? I was genuinely excited about this, and you always have to turn it into some awful sexual innuendo-ridden filth. Come on, bring it on. Anyway, bring on. so I placed my prism at his entrance that it might, uh, sorry, hold on, uh, that it might thereby, uh, thereby refract onto the opposite wall. It okay. was first a very pleasing divergement. Yeah. Uh, to view the vivid and intense colours produced thereby. People knew about this because they were hanging over the New Age. And that's why they sold the prisms, wasn't it? Yeah. To do that, yeah. But after a while, applying myself to consider the circumstance, I became surprised to see them in an oblong form, which according to the received laws of refraction, I expected them to have been circular. Right. So he's, so he's just basically looking at a rainbow is what he's doing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and then he goes through this. Um, I mean, in- anyone that's got a few, I mean, I was going to say, well, anyone that's got a chandelier like me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been to your house. I haven't we, seen. We bought, you know, we bought an extremely tacky thing. But if, you, you know, when light shines through that stuff, you can always see them. I mean, it's, it's yeah. crystals of stuff. You, but you have to remember, like, glass is a relatively exotic material at this I time, right? So, you know, yeah. and actually, yeah. so in, in late, shaped glass, shaped glass particularly. not easy to come across. No, you have to grind. Um, and in fact, he talks about, you have to make the surfaces very clear as well. So yeah. he says exactly that, right? So so he's looking at this rainbow and he's a bit he's, he's freak, freaking out that it's not round and it, and, and the fact is it's it's oblong. He's comparing the length of the coloured spectrum with its breadth. I found it about five times greater, a disproportion to the uh, extravagance that it excited me to more than ordinary curiosity of examining from whence it might proceed. See these types of sentences yeah. written in sixteen seventy one. That's a hard like, one. But um, so then I suspected whether any unevenness in the glass or other contingent irregularity uh, might affect the colours thus. So so he did exactly as you as you suggested. So so he's making so he goes through these things right. Um, And so we'll come back to what to what he does. But I just want to say that, that kind of. When you, if you ever read like Origin of the Species or something like that, or any of those kind of old big scientific ideas, there's bits of it that are a bit wrong. You know, you go through it and you're like, ah, eh, that's close, but you know, the, the the idea is so powerful that it persists, right? And I'll go, th- we'll go through this in a separate podcast. But like, what's amazing about this is everything is on point. It gets everything right. And in this in this article, he talks about refraction, what colors are, right? The idea that they have different, they must be made of composed of uh, separate colors that when they come together can reform white light he talks about the, 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 the how they're different and how they bend i mean that was his experimentum crucius which um, was that, when but that's in this paper oh is it, it really so he split is. them up and then he put them back together put, again put that back. was a demonstration yeah. exactly but then he did it even further he also talks about how he talks about how we perceive light like red green and blue he doesn't call it this right but the idea being that if you take red and uh, blue red and green light and you mix it together it goes yellow and he says, that's not really yellow light. The only really yellow light is the light that comes from white light as it goes through a prism, mm. right? So he talks about that. He then talks about the, the, the importance of, of chromatic aberration, right? Mm. So he talks about how 
uh, that light must be focused to, because it's got a different wavelength, it's focused through the prism to a different amount. So chromatic aberration is basically, if you've got a lens and you're trying to do a microscope experiment, the object might look fuzzy because basically the blue light comes to its focal point at a different point than the red light. So yep. that means that it gets a bit fuzzy. And you get edges. that. So this is true if you're on your iPhone or something. If you look yeah. at your picture, if you zoom right in sometimes, what you sometimes see is particularly the edges of the of your image, quite often you'll find that the the, the colours start to split a little bit, right? Yeah. And so he, he, he just induces, he just, all this comes from him just thinking about yeah. it, right? So he, then he works out, then he goes, mm -hmm. oh, the, the telescopes must be rubbish then. But because he's recognised that this that they're made up of separate wavelengths, that they're going to be focused to a different focal plane, that therefore telescopes don't work. And then yeah. he goes, okay, so, so he makes up a... a um, a telescope that, that doesn't require uh, the, how to solve this problem doesn't require focusing, but he needs a new material. Mm. Then he finds that new material. He convinces and then makes the, the this new telescope and then sees the moons of Jupiter with it. He then uses that on a, to build a microscope and to how you might build a better microscope. Mm. He then talks about the phenomenon of how a rainbow works based on pure deduction of uh, th these 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 um, uh, just the principle of this light bending. He talks about um, kind of mixtures of colors and things like gold. So like when you look at gold, it's got a different, this doesn't look like any of the primary colors of the rainbow, or any of the colors of the rainbow. How should that happen? Yeah. All of this, you know, in bad mouths, uh, Robert Hooke. So Robert Hooke actually makes microscopes. He doesn't even need it. He just thought about it for two years and he just made, he just beat him to it. Like all of this is an experiment from Crucius, which basically makes a monochromator and then uses that to, de to determine they must be of the ordering of the wavelength of the light does all of that, tells the people at the Royal Society how to do an experiment that they need to do, and if they can't reproduce it, they should come back to Cambridge and show them how it works. And all of this is all just in one paper. Steve, do you, do you wish you had been assisting? Oh my Newton? God, I've got a bit of a man crush. Do you wish that he had positioned his prism the prism close my to your entrance? <laughs> 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 but yeah, we'll come back to it. But that, yeah, so the, um, 1666. <laughs> So yeah, that's I'd have him as my um, top Trump of choice. What's so, your argument? Um, well, I, obviously I've not come pre-prepared because I can't recite you papers. Can't, from, you can't. You can't win. I mean, I, 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 Einstein is pretty impressive. He is. Because he, I'll give you that. He came up with, I mean, he came up with several ideas. He was known for the photoelectric effect first, wasn't he? The quantization. So he published three papers in um, the on one, yeah, the magic, the magic year, the golden year, they call it, right? So it was, one was on Brownian motion. One was on Anus Mirabilis. Yeah, mm. um, one was on um, the photoelectric effect, and one was on um, uh, specific relativity. Special relativity. Sorry, special relativity. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so like they basically say that two out of three of those definitely deserved a Nobel Prize. And he published all of those without a PhD at 26 when he was doing another job. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Pretty it? cool. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I, I think like Newton, when you go through it, and it's, what's so profound about it is just that he, it's like, I think what's really, it's, it's, it's all right. And he's all done it just from thinking about it from a bit of glass he puts he, on his windowsill. He window did sill. a lot of experiments, though. To, to he did. He did. But, but, but it's that kind of deduction that, that just saying, if this is true, therefore this must be true. And this is how that works, mm. you know, which I just think is so profound. And, and it's really beautiful. And I'm going to show you, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a bit more. But he's my top trump of choice. Steve, I was um, I came across paper. Excellent, Nick. Well, I didn't quite come across paper. Yeah, I saw something in the news. 
and it directed me to, to a, paper. a paper. So you came across that I paper. I came across the paper, yes. Yeah, so I had a read of the paper. Right. Remember, we, we talked a while ago. I think it may have been in podcast four. I'm not totally sure. But it was about chimeras. Chimeras, yeah. That, so that's um, like uh, the uh, babies forming with when you can end up having your 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 dad's your uncle or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your 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 child your re- yeah. Let's not go into it. <laughs> I've done it before. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, how do you think you might use a chimera to to um replace your liver when it starts to wear out? How do you might So, I suppose can you take a so chimeras are basically a mixture of um of two different uh, species or two different no, it's the same species but different people. They they two um, it's the same species but different individuals or different mice or whatever. Yeah, it's an, an organism made up of two distinct um, genetic identities. That's right. Okay. So, so they've got could, different DNA. cellular genetic entities. So, right. Um, composed of a different cell types from a different genetic source. Okay. So different. Organs. So could you take a transplant of your of a liver from a from a um, I don't know a relative or something to to make to trick your body into growing a new liver or something. Not, no, not quite. I'll explain a bit of the background to this. Yeah. So there was a story, and people may have seen it, it was about using pigs to grow human organs. Right. So um, one of the kind of like big challenges yeah. in the world is there's not enough organs to go around everybody. Yeah. So people die on the trans, waiting for a transplant every day, you know, yeah. and it's a lot, a lot of people every year, simply not enough organs to go around. That's why... There's a people list have been and trying and things like that. Yeah, yeah, people have been trying to make it a default situation that after you die, your organs are automatically. Which is a brilliant idea. Should which I, yeah, I agree yeah. with. It's still not the law in this country, though. Is it um, the law anywhere? Um, I, I don't know. I, I've got a feeling that they were, you know, in the regional breakdown yeah. of the UK. I've got a feeling in certain in Wales maybe that they were starting to implement it. it does make sense as, a, as an opt out model yeah. rather than an opt in. I think in I've got a feeling in the Netherlands and maybe right. in, Switzerland. in all those. It's, it's a sensitive Scandies. I bet the Scandies do it. They, they're normally ahead of the curve on these kind of things. Yeah, although I wouldn't be so sure. I mean, this, these sorts of things in certain countries that are liberal, you find this this would happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I'd. I don't know. That's um, okay. So anyway, but, but anyway, um, so with these um, chimeric animals, what you can do is, in short, you've got an embryo from from one species. Yeah. Into that embryo, you can in- introduce some cells from a related individual, for instance, and you remember you can come up with an animal which is composed of more than one cell type. Yeah. So you can take a brown mouse. And you can inject its embryonic cells into a white mouse, yeah. and you get a patchy mouse because yeah. the the mouse that's like formed a, like a mouse dalmatian, exactly. Yeah. But the mouse is composed of basically maybe itself, its own cells, but also its brother's cells. Yeah. So it's kind of like a a brother and a brother yeah. type situation. Very weird. So two twins can be meshed together, and that's this happens cool. in human populations. But it's being used scientifically, right? Mm. So what people have found is you can do interspecies chimerism. That's cool. It's amazing. And the mo- the most... Um, so, so typically, normally, I suppose that why well, that's a big deal is if you if, if you took, like, the pig, uh, a pig's liver um, and tried to transplant your body, reject it, right? Because it thinks it's foreign uh, organism, yes. which it is, right? Yep. So, so, so what's different? How do you manage to do it? How do you do inter- interspecies organism? How, well, started, how is it not rejected by your immune system? It started off based on experiments on rats and mice. Okay. So you can inject... Rat cells from yeah. em- embryonic cells from a rat. So yeah. you grow what are called embryonic stem cells from a rat. Yeah. There are lots of different types of pluripotent cells now. 
Um, basically, you can think of them as like embryonic-like cells. You can inject them into a mouse embryo. And so plur- what does pluripotent mean? Pluripotent just means that it's a cell type that can turn into any type of adult cell. So, so people would... Okay, fine. So so this is the... So, so depending upon its environment, it could end up being a bone cell or a brain cell or a bit of your liver or whatever. Yeah, and that's why people are excited about plur- embryonic stem cell research. Because if you can grow a load of them in a dish... Yeah. You could make a load of cells to cure a disease where you've lost a cell type, which is important, like diabetes, you lose a cell type. So if you can make that in a dish, um, you can replace those cells. Okay. One of the big drawbacks with, one of the limitations with growing tissues is you can't make big lumps of stuff. We just don't have the technology. We don't have the technology to make a lump of liver, for instance, because you need a blood vessel network. It's really hard to make a blood vessel network. So... um, this has led to the idea of using chimeras so to solve rubbish. this We're problem. so rubbish at doing biology, aren't we? <laughs> Nature's yeah. amazing at it, and we're so rubbish at it. It's pretty tough, though. It's complicated. Yeah. You, you, you're working, you know, there's billions I'm, of years of evolution that's led to I, it. I know, I know, but when you think about it, like, we spent all this money and all this time and all these people working so hard, and basically all we've done is take some cancerous cells and put them in a dish and they live forever. <laughs> right, but there's no... Why, when, when Hang a minute, a I'm going to tell you about okay. an amazing step forward in a minute that I <laughs> saw right. in a paper this All right, week. do it, do it. So basically, they, it, for the past few years, people have learned how to make interspecies chimer, chimeras. Right. So what you can do is you can take a mouse embryo, yeah. the embryo of a mouse, and you can inject into that embryo rat embryonic cells. Right, so which the, the, the body should species. reject. Two different species, yeah. Two different species. Nothing to do with rejection. No, but it should do, right, typically? Not before the immune system's formed, because you don't have an immune system. Ah, but, oh, right, okay, so, so you're you doing would, it in the embryo. So, Yeah, so you've got, ah. an, you've got an embryo. Sorry, I misunderstood. No, you've got an embryo of a mouse in a dish. Yeah. Think of in vit- kind of in yeah, vitro fertilisation. You grow the embryo in a dish, and then you implant it into the woman. That's yeah. an embryo. Those embryos you can do, you can, you can do in vitro fertilisation with a mouse. You can store the embryo. The embryo is in the dish. You can manipulate that embryo. So you can inject cells from a rat, mm. rat's embryo, pretty much, into a mouse's embryo. And you can put that embryo back in the, the mother, the mouse. Yeah. And it will form, you know, a new mouse. Frankenmouse. Frankenmouse. So you can make wow. a mouse with about 10%, which is about 10% rat. And does it end and up... And this is pretty incredible as well. That's be- amazing. Because... This is How what, far away species-wise do they have to be? Do they have to be presumably well, reasonably a, related? Well, we don't know at the moment. Right. So it's, this is a very new technology, very new indeed. So these rat-mouse chimeras have only been around for the past few years, not very long. Wow. Essentially, um, but this is some really interesting stuff, right? Yeah, come in. So, um, teasing me, Nick. Come on. For instance, so rats and mice, when you look at these, these mice that yeah. form that are 10% rat... You can find the rat. They look like mice. They look just like mice. So you wouldn't know any different. No, this is an interesting question. So they don't Uh, have, they don't appear to have phenotypes which look like rats. So they, they, to all it. Does this mean you could be ten percent pig and we wouldn't know, Nick? (laughs) Wait for it. Oh, good. (laughs) So these, these, these mice are ten percent rat cells. So if you slice them and you look at the tissues, you can find loads of rat cells interspersed. So if you took like an antibody that was specific to a rat You know, you don't even need to do that. You you make the rat cells fluorescent first. Ah, So you engineer a marker. So when you come to look at them... Any fluorescent stuff is the rat. Yeah, so they glow. So you can tell them apart by the rat cells glow and the mouse cells don't. Or you can make them both glow, but in different colours. So one's green and one's red. Amazing... Um, the sorts of technical advances. Of yeah. But anyway, um, but one interesting thing is 
there's differences, species differences. So rats and mice are quite divergent. Mm -hmm. Several million years separate them. Yeah. Like a couple of million years of evolution separate them, their branch point. Yeah. Are they, are rats they don't... Apart rat, than we are to monkey, to orangutan? I'm not quite sure of the... Right, okay. Probably, probably similar, but similar. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, rats, rats don't have a gallbladder. Do they Mo not? No, they don't. They no. don't have a gallbladder. Mice have a gallbladder. Right. When they looked at the gallbladder of these um, mouse rat hybrids, yeah. many of the cells in the gallbladder were derived from the rat. So it's almost it's like... It's gone back in time. The rat. We could make a dinosaur. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? So basically the, so the wait, rat wait, cell... Wait, the wait. Rat cells Let me go my head around it. So, so, so they don't normally have a gallbladder, but the, but the cells that are in the bit of the mouse where the gallbladder is are rat cells. No, in the mouse that forms, yeah. the gallbladder is made partially from rat cells. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, I didn't follow. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so the, 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 essentially, even though the rat doesn't normally make a gallbladder, when those cells are present in a mouse, that's they so can cool. retain, some, somewhere in their kind of like backstory, there's a little paragraph which explains how to make a gallbladder, but normally it's kind of disposed it's of. turned off, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like vestigial, or you know, yeah, you yeah. don't form it. But when those cells are in the kind of context of a mouse, it's almost like, oh yeah, we'll read that paragraph and we'll make a gallbladder. That so is the rat nuts. It's crazy. And what's more, what they could do is... So, so is that suggesting there's, there's, there's a gene to make a gallbladder in a rat that's not used? Not active, yeah. So it's there, but it's just they just says to switch that bad boy off. We don't need him normally Absolutely. in a rat. Yeah. Wow. So why is this interesting in terms of human transplantation? I'll tell you why. Another thing you can do in the mouse is you can remove a gene, which is like a master gene, yeah. which controls the formation of an organ. In the pancreas, there's a gene called doesn't matter what it's called, it's called PDX1. Yeah. All right, which is a kind of master gene for controlling pancreatic development. Now, you can make a mouse which doesn't have that gene. So the pancreas doesn't work and the mouse dies at around birth or shortly after. Right. All right. Now what you can do, you can get the rat cells. You can inject normal rat cells into that mouse that lack that master gene for making the pancreas. Yeah. And the mouse will survive and it will grow a pancreas, a rat which pancreas. is a rat pancreas. So you can grow a rat wow. pancreas. But wholly inside... a rat. I, I, pretty much wow not wholly some of the specific cell types in the blood and things like yeah. that are derived from the host but predominantly speaking because if you remove it the mouse doesn't have a pancreas you yeah. know that the rat has saved that mouse so the rat cells are making the pancreas wow why is that important well it paves the way Maybe. So that means I can just keep drinking, is what you're saying. I can just drink hard. <laughs> no, and no. And worry, that, worry about that in the future. Not yet. <laughs> oh, there's a number it. of problems. So these, in this paper, there was a paper published, published in Cell last week. This yeah. technique's been done before. There was a paper published in Nature at the same time. And then the Nature publication, they, just, they did just that. They made another species uh, pancreas in a... I think they made a mouse pancreas in a rat. Mm. And then they took that pancreas and they cured diabetes... So wow. they used another species as an incubator for a pancreas to save the other species. Now, in the cell paper, what they did, they thought, well, hang on a minute. Could we do this with people? No. Could we do it with people? You know what they did? No, they didn't. They got human embryonic stem cells. 
Well, they're called induced pluripotent cells, yeah. but it doesn't matter. For all intents and purposes, they're early embryonic cells. They took those, and you know what they tried to do? Was it in a mouse? No, they didn't was it in a mouse, because they thought, well, a mouse is pretty small. We want was to try and pig? make it. They was it in a cow and in a pig. So cows are, uh, cows are how great. How would you get Cows are great. Cow, cow, I don't know. It's, it was that, a, I mean, I mean, just in, speaking generally, those they, kind of experiments are so difficult to get approved ethically, aren't they? When you do any go anywhere near humans in any capacity, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so as in the cows, it didn't work, right? I'll tell you that from the off. Right. Didn't contribute at all. So they looked. At, they looked at very early stages of development. They didn't look at a fully grown cow. They looked at very, very early so, embryos. So, the, so, so the cows not walking about or living no. or whatever. It, it so would be. It, it, but it didn't work in the cat. In the pig, it did work. Holy so fuck. they introduced. So again, they removed. That's the future, Nick. They were able to find something like one in ten to a hundred thousand cells in the pig embryo were human derived. So imagine you could take a pig, you could remove a master gene for let's say a heart. Yeah, liver. Okay, whatever. Yeah, liver. So they've done all this in the rat mouse. Thing. They've done it for liver. Yeah. They did it for pancreas. They did it for heart. They did, the heart was unsuccessful. You grow a new human heart in a pig. Maybe. Holy but shit. But it doesn't, it doesn't, at the moment, the rat mouse system, yeah. you works, can do it really, well. really well. Human pig? No. It's not working very well. Obviously needs refinement. But is there any reason you couldn't do it in a monkey? Could you make a human liver in a monkey? Quite closely related species. And these are these are, are these uh, cells that they've these are they're induced pluripotent stem cells. They yeah okay, but so they they also they they actually used um, they, a do, variety do of pluripotent cells. Okay, okay. So you can use and this is a little bit more of a, a bit more of a technical, technical area. Yeah. But there are lots of different stages of um, embryonic stem cells now. Yeah. Uh, they, some are called naive some are primed mm -hmm. so there's a spectrum continuous spectrum and there's several different methods you can use to, yeah. to look at them all um induced pluripotent cells they also tried as well so that's when you regress yeah. a skin cell to behave like an embryo but basically maybe in the future there'll be a pig walking around that with a human the, brain that's that is the stuff a human brain pig a, that, <laughs> hello Steve. super pig would you like some vacuum Steve <laughs> Uh, well, it, I, if you like in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, hello, Steve. <laughs> I don't want to be the vacant today. It, it, it does. I like the way. I like his accent as yeah, well. Kind of like a South European pig. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit like Papa Lazarus as well. Yeah. <laughs> hello, Steve. Yum, um, anyway. But like it's. I mean, it's kind of it's it's the stuff of science fiction, right? I mean, oh it really, yes, it's the stuff of science fiction. It, you know, it really does. Right, yes. It's. So, I mean that's incredible. Those type of things normally. Well, okay, so normally, if if there's not when people say stuff like that, you normally, as a scientist, you kind of have to like laugh it off and pretend they're not like they're, they're not massive idiots. When someone says, well, "Well, can't we do that?" That really is right. I mean, that's yeah. one of those things that really throws up some really ethical issues, right? So I don't know what the ethical situation. So with I know with embryonic cells, with human embryonic cells, you can take an embryo and you can grow it up to fourteen days post fertilization. And that's the time, you, and then you terminate the. the then you have to yeah. have to kill the embryo. You can't work beyond fourteen days. But because that, that's for ethical reasons. It's yeah, it's a right. it's a the the, the um, HEFA H HFEA something yeah <laughs> they've come the, up with the they body. they come up with a yeah it's kind of it's a quango but it's a very yeah. good body that um you know there's lots of 
political debate around it and they settle on things. Yeah. Um, they're trying to push it to 28 days at the moment. So there have been a number of different approaches. So to try on, and the, extend on, it. The, on, the, on the super pig, on the human pig hybrid, how far along was the embryo before they, before they terminated it? I don't know, Steve. Right. I have to come back to it. That's exciting. That's wow. Mm. Maybe we'll return <laughs> to super pig when the new paper comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Do you reckon they'd like us calling it Super Pig? <laughs> I don't know. Or you, uh, it, I tell you what, it brings brain, a whole, it brings a whole, brings a whole new context to Babe the Sheep Pig. Doesn't it? <laughs> That'll do, Pig. Is there a scientist edition of Top Trumps? No, but maybe we should make. What one. do we do? One? That'd we be could fun. Propose it to Top Trump. So I uh, think. So who would you have? And the, the big, the big guns. Obviously, we've got uh, Isaac Newton. Uh, we've got um, Einstein. Uh, you got to have Dirac, Dirac. Um, James Clock Maxwell, of yeah, absolutely. Michael Faraday, Rutherford, Rutherford. We're all physicists so far. Charles Darwin. Well, no, it's before there was real Charles division. Darwin, James Watson, Gregor Mendel. Would yeah. you have Crick as well? Would you have one for all of them? You'd have to have Ro- you'd have to have Franklin because otherwise you'd be sexist. Yeah, you well, couldn't. Madame have... Curie definitely you'd have. You? Madame Curie, yeah, <laughs> Marie Curie. Really. Yeah, she was. She was well, I suppose so, yeah. but I'd, I'd never heard of her called Madame. Yeah, Curie. definitely. Okay, yeah. who's Dr. Curie? Not professor or whatever, yeah. Dr. <laughs> Marie Curie. Yeah. Um, and then you'd come up with, um, you know, there's a bunch of other famous females. Feynman? Feynman, yeah. If you had to have a... You'd need females, though. There's not that many, though, particularly the historically. You'd have to have new beers. If you, if you had a um, dinner party, mm. past or present, you got, who, who are you going to have? Scientists? Hitler. Hitler. No, 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 scientists. Can't have Hitler. No, you can't have... Well, if he's a scientist, you can, but he's not, so you can't. Um, I think got our Feynman. Feynman would be awesome, wouldn't he? Well, he's going to be a bit of a prick, but he's going to take gonna, he's, over he's, the conversation. Yeah. Be quite irritating. No, I think I'd have someone who's a bit more humble and softly spoken. I'd have Faraday there. Faraday, nice. Faraday, um, probably Einstein. Just, Dirac wouldn't just say for shits much, and giggles. Apparently, he was a fair weirdo, wasn't he? He Dirac, was quite yeah. quiet. Yeah. 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 Um, there's um, what's his name? Um, Andrew Wilde. He's still alive. He Don't know who he is. So he solved Fermat's last theorem. Took him. Eight years. I didn't think anyone solved that. Yep, he did. Is he the one who just wanted to hide away in... Seven years. He just hung, he just hung out in his house. He didn't want to be... Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so uh, that was a very famous mathematical proof that's been that's evaded mathematicians for something like 200 years or 300 years or something, and he, he figured it out. Bunsen, Burner, Dolly, Internal, Combustion, Why Do We Need, Petri, Oscar, Isaac, Newton, Transplanting. Right, boys, I enjoyed that podcast. That was pretty good, mate. Enjoyed it? Enjoyed hearing about the pigs with the bloody organ crap going on. That's crazy shit, man. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Bruce. If you you like the science show and want to hear more, the best thing to do is to get uh, in touch with us on social media. What's social media, mate? I don't understand. It's it's kind of like the pub, but but um, but online. A lot of blokes talking to each other, drinking beers, and like having a good time in it. That's that's pretty much right. Yeah. Great bonzer, mate. <laughs> yes, you can get in touch with me. I'm Steve the Chemist on Twitter, and Nick is the Evans Lab. Um, and if well, you... I like you, Steve. I'm not sure about the other guy. Seems a bit of a seems a bit of a fool to me, mate. He, does, he is a bit of a fool, isn't he? 
Um, the, the other thing you can do uh, is uh, if you really like the, the science shed and you want other people in Australia to enjoy it as much as you just have done, uh, Bruce, if you could leave us a review on, on iTunes, that would be great. Fair dinkum, mate. I'll do that. No worries.